The full power of the gospel of Jesus Christ is contained in the Book of Mormon, period. Remember this declaration by Jesus himself. Whoso treasureth up my word shall not be deceived. And in the last days, neither your heart nor your faith will fail you. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 171 of the Book of Mormon podcast. Kevin and Shelby here. Hey everyone. And this week, we are discussing 3 Nephi chapter 8. Yes, I'm very excited. And this chapter is pretty short, actually, but has a lot of info. Yeah, there's definitely a lot to discuss and a lot to pull out of this chapter. Um, I'm definitely guilty of just kind of blowing through these last couple chapters. Everybody knows we got to get to chapter 11 because that's when Christ appears to the people. And so, you know, but there's, there are, there are faith promoting experiences as well as, you know, um, I guess like grim realizations you know realizations about you know what what's in store for us in the last days um we know that third nephi is very much a parallel there are many uh, parallels between our day and then and so let's let's look at it in that light but first we're going to start with a, a little bit of a I guess a preamble from Mormon, and he continues discussing the record, right? The record of which he is abridging, and um, you know, again, he's he's taking from many different records and compiling this work, uh, abridging it, in other words, right? And he's he references the record that he's getting, the you know the next what chapter 8 9 10 uh specifically uh as well as you know the the appearance of Christ but he i guess makes um he he takes time to discuss the record and also the record keeper so in verse 1 he says according to our record and we know our record to be true for behold it was a just man who did keep the record and there he is referring to Nephi. He says, For he truly did many miracles in the name of Jesus. And there was not any man who could do a miracle in the name of Jesus, save he were cleansed every whit from his iniquity. And so, interesting things there. He's he's obviously testifying of the record of its of its truthfulness. And he's also attributing, you know, that the man who kept the record, meaning that he he wrote the record, was a just man, and he performed many miracles, and you know he's kind of drawing that you know he must have been this just man because he did miracles and can't do miracles if you're uh, not cleansed and, and worthy. And I think it's important to also note the second person coming as a witness mm -hmm. to sustain everything that has already happened in this record. 
right? Uh, coming through and saying, hey, just so you know, if you had any doubt in your mind, here's my witness of the truthfulness of the record and of this person, Nephi, who kept the record. So I also see that coming into play just as we know the testimony of the three witnesses and the eight witnesses uh, come into play as well at the beginning of the Book of Mormon. So right, I do like that. I do also think that there's some temple things here um, or temple parallels we might draw just because it does say there's there's similar, I can't say like word for word, but there's things in here that are similar to the the anointing and washing in the temple. And so that's just something to think about. I also believe that these people were endowed with power in the temple. So anyway, we can move on from that. Yep. The second verse is kind of interesting because then Mormon admits that this is a, it's a work of man. And so as long as there are no mistakes made, uh, not that that invalidates its, its truthfulness, right? The intent of what the record uh, was written for, but as long as there are no mistakes, he's going to continue um, and, and use the record as a point of reference for the, the next couple of chapters. He says the 30 and third year passes away and people began to look with great earnestness earnestness for the sign which had been given by the prophet Samuel the Lamanite, yea, for that time that there should be a darkness over the space of three days over the face of the land. But at the same time, in the next verse, there's also great doubtings and disputations among the people. Even though there had been signs that had been given that this was going to happen, people doubt and dispute about it, or I would say argue <laughs> about it. And that is Satan's tactic, right? To create contention among the people, because if they're contending with one another, they're not going to be looking for any sign, right? And they're going to forget why they're, they could get so deep in the contention that you don't even remember what you're fighting about in the first place, because it just trickles into like all these other things. I don't know if that's ever happened to you guys before, but you're like so mad and you're in an argument and then that brings up other things. And then you just go down this rabbit hole of an argument and you're like, how did we even get here? Hmm. Right. And so that's kind of how I imagine this must have been. And so it's interesting because these two things are happening at the same time. You have those who are looking forward with earnestness and who are faithful, but you also have those who are always uh, disputing and doubting. And you just have, you know, you can't know good unless you have evil and, and vice versa. And so you just see these parallels coming in, in this chapter. Yeah. And keep in mind, we're in the 34th year, so we know that Christ has died. And now, you know, we have this knowledge now. They didn't then. But we can know reading this that this is like right before. Like we are right there um, from him coming, appearing to the Americas, meaning Christ. And so it says on the 34th year in the first month, on the fourth day of the month, there arose a great storm, such as one as had never been known in all the land. So this is the very beginning of the year 
34, <laughs> right? 34 AD. Mm-hmm. So I just find that interesting. It's it's the first part of the month. I don't really know the significance of the number four. Don't really, I didn't really look into it, but I'm sure there's something to be learned there. But there's a great storm that comes. Yeah, significant that this is, you know, this is the the greatest storm that's ever come upon the land, right? And that that's a trend as well, you know, this you know, never never before seen events or events that are not uh, to be compared with earlier times. Um so I, I just wanted to mention about like the looking earnestly for a sign. I think it's different than like sign seeking, but there's that earnestness that it discusses, right? Which is to say that they're looking forward in faith to that sign. Um, so I just wanted to backtrack for a minute and, and discuss that. So this this terrible tempest. Um, Can I interject really quick? Sure. <laughs> I looked up the number four really quick on Google. So take this for what it is. <laughs> uh, but it does say number four is associated with planet with the planet Uranus and the symbolism of change, freedom, and upheaval. And the Garden of Eden is a symbol of paradise and spiritual perfection. It references the Garden of Eden. It says on the fourth day of creation, God created the sun and moon, which is thought to be a symbolic representation of the four elements. And so they're referencing kind of back to that. So that's very interesting that it's a symbolism of change, upheaval, and freedom right anyway which i would be willing to say there's there's nothing it <laughs> things can still happen on the fifth day of the month <laughs> right that yeah. could be you know uh symbolic of change and freedom for you like i just the 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 numerology gets a little bit tricky because then if you, you know, if you're only expecting certain things to happen on certain days because of the number um, on the calendar, you know, you can you can begin writing your own conclusions to things as well. So I love, trust me, I love going deep in the numerology in the scriptures, but I also take it with a grain of salt. And I know that, uh, you know, the the Lord has much more to teach us. He teaches um, through His Spirit, and His Spirit will will teach certain people certain things in the way that they will learn best. So, just a little, maybe a disclaimer there on my part. No, I appreciate it. I just thought it was cool to look at the significance of the number given the context. So, yeah, and I, to be honest, I wasn't going to say any of that. And then I just kind of felt like I should. So hopefully that helped. Somebody. Don't be expecting Jesus Christ to come on January 4th anytime soon. <laughs> anyway. But we should we should always expect him to be coming. I guess, okay, right? I just mean don't focus on the day. You know, people thought the world was going to end in 2012 and they came, became so fixated, right? So right. just remember that. Anyway, great storm. It's coming. It's here. 
talks about the thunder. Thunder is a is a symbol <laughs> of like calling to repentance, right? Um, and then it lists several of the cataclysms, you know, the catastrophic events that occur. Uh, the city of Zarahemla did take fire. The city of Moroni did sink into the depths of the sea. And the city of Moroniha, uh, excuse me, the, the earth was carried upon it, I guess, like an earthquake, right? And there was great and terrible destruction in the land southward. So, And there was more great in the land northward. Right. It says the whole face of the land was changed because of tempests and whirlwinds and thunderings, lightnings, and exceedingly great quakings of the whole earth. Now, I remember I was at BYU-Idaho in a science class. I can't remember what the name of the class was. But we studied, it was called natural disasters. <laughs> How funny, I just remembered. And in this natural disasters class, they, you know, I do not have the reference for any of this. So take this from my memory with a grain of salt. But there was some type of something in history where they, they said the face of the land was changed, right? You know, we there's a lot you can go into there with the history of, you know, Pangea and the earth separating and things like that. But they were just talking about how connecting to the gospel, this could have been the storm that is spoken about here in 3rd Nephi chapter 8. This uh, mountains and things and quakes and lightnings all changing the face of the earth and creating new mountains and city sinking you know just all this stuff so it was just interesting that i remembered that when i was reading um obviously i don't know all the details but i do know that there was some parallel drawn to there and go ahead no i don't know if this is where you were going to go next but you know as you as you read through the destruction that occurs, you know, this chapter actually has a a lot of references, like the links uh, in your gospel library or in your paper scriptures. Like there are many footnotes that talk about these things. So, um, and all of this is a fulfillment of previous prophecies, and there are uh, there are special or you know significant meaning for why these things occurred at this time uh, because a lot of these things will occur you know throughout you know over the years and over a long period of time but all at once is significant i think as well yeah and what i love in one of the footnotes in verse 14 or yeah verse 14 it says and many great and notable cities were sunk and many were burned and many were shaken till the buildings thereof had fallen to the earth. And when you talk, when you footnote the word burned, it references back to 2 Nephi 26, where it, it prophesies that all those who are proud and do wicked, the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, for they shall be a stubble. So that's just an example of one of the footnotes and the fulfillment of prophecy coming across in these verses. And this isn't like to scare anybody, right? Like this is something that the Lord has always talked about in the Old Testament and the New Testament and here in the Book of Mormon, right? He says that 
you will reap the rewards of what you sow. And unfortunately, when you do wicked and you choose sin over and over, you are going to fall and you are going to be left desolate. And quite literally, your cities may be left desolate. There may be extensive damage, right? Because there are some cities that did remain. It says that, but it also says the damage was exceedingly great. So that's just something to note that even the righteous, while their cities may have remained, there was still, (laughs) they weren't exempt from any of the storms, right? They were still there. And that has always stuck out to me that I'm still going to have to endure the storms that come. And it doesn't mean that I'll just magically have a protective bubble around me, right? (laughs) I should always be prepared. Um, So, yeah. I mentioned last week and at the very end of the episode that this week is kind of like a hard week because uh, in this chapter, you know, studying this chapter is a little bit hard because you want to think like, this is a this is a glorious event that is you know being heralded and yet there's all this terrible uh destruction and like you said Shelb, like this is the result of the wickedness like if everyone were prepared to receive the lord and they they didn't need to be chastened then there would be no destruction right and it's not when the lord comes destruction has to happen it's it's the results it's almost like preparing the world and humbling his people and that way they they're reminded of him and then he can come to them mm-hmm. um i don't exactly know how all of that works but certainly we can see it here I I also thought about these these many different um these many different natural disasters and like cataclysms. Think about it like this. I mean, these things didn't just spontaneously occur. It, it may seem that way, but the Lord he created the earth. He put these things into motion so that all of this would happen at this point in time right and so that's that's kind of interesting like his wisdom and omnipotence right yeah he he has a plan <laughs> he's always had a plan right if it's okay with you kev i want to talk about verse 19 it says that the quakings and everything that we've been talking about lasted for the space of three hours. And it was said by some some that the time was greater. Nevertheless, all these great and terrible things were done in about the space of three hours. And then behold, there was darkness upon the face of the land. So not that I'm trying to keep going back to symbolism and numbers, but what does number three represent? Divinity. Divinity, right? And so I think that that's significant here. And of course, it probably felt much longer than three hours. And I wanted to talk about the concept in life in general that, for example, childbirth, a mother isn't quite excruciating pain 
all the way up until right before that child is born. It's constantly compounding and getting faster and quicker and contractions and just all the things, right? And in excruciating pain up until right before that baby comes, right? And then when that baby comes, it's like, whew, right? You can breathe. It is done. And so I think about this in life, like just this concept of things that are worthwhile and really of eternal value, they're hard. You're going to endure hard things. It's going to be, it's almost going to seem like impossible, but we know that it's not because of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so here, as we keep moving into what happens, they're in this darkness in so much that like not even light can come, right? Like no fire can even be kindled because they can't even find dry wood to light fire, you know? And so it's, it's this almost seemingly hopeless moment. But if you have the faith in Jesus Christ and his prophets that have came and said, this is going to happen. We know this is going to happen. There's going to be darkness for three days. In that moment, you're grasping on to the words of the prophets, testifying of our Savior, Jesus Christ, that he will come after that three days. Now, I imagine it would be really hard to orient yourself with what day it is because there's no light and darkness. So you kind of might become a little disoriented and it might not, it might feel like a week that you were in darkness, but really we know that Christ does come and he's the one that pierces the darkness, right? With his light and then extends that. And so I just thought that was really interesting. Just the whole idea of the hopelessness that you might feel, but also, well, I guess you could feel hopeless, but I would think that the people who did survive are A, feeling humbled, being repentant, and trying to look forward now because they can't do anything about what just happened. So I'm not really sure what I'm trying to say other than the fact that I'm just saying it because this is a record for our posterity, but there's something to be said about in the darkest moments of our lives, when it feels like you just can't keep going, that there is going to come a day when Christ's light will pierce that darkness and you will become free of that darkness. Well, let me throw in my my take on this darkness and apparently the, the varied time that some people reported the darkness mm-hmm you know, uh, permeating, you know, I think that some people need a little bit more time in the darkness than others. Right. Um, and that's, that's a, that's a hard saying because in the gospel, in, in the good news, it's like, well, the Lord will take you out of the darkness. So do you, do you have to stay there? longer than you need to like can't you just turn to the lord and be delivered right away and we know that that's that's not always the 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 case right and so uh, when i read this i thought you know some of those people they had to they they had to feel like they were in darkness for longer well think about the experience of alma Mm -hmm. right 
and he was harrowed up by the memory of his sins right. for, for days, I think. I want to say two or three days yeah. that it was. And then that's when his mind caught hold upon the words of Christ, right? And what his uh, parents had taught him. And so, yeah, I really like that analogy that sometimes you do need to be in darkness to understand why you're in the darkness, right? And we know that these people, what they were saying, it says uh, there, there were great mournings and howlings and weeping. And they said, quote, oh, that we had repented before this great and terrible day. And then would our brethren have been spared and they would have not been burned in that great city of Zarahemla. And they say it again. Oh, that we had repented before this great and terrible day and had not killed and stoned the prophets and cast them out. Then would our mothers and our fair daughters and our children have been spared and not have been buried up in that great city, Moronihah. So in a way, they're also, they're, you know, catching hold of the words of Christ that have been spoken to them, you know, repent before that terrible day. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, as I read this, this, this week, I thought about how, I mean, imagine how terrible, how, how miserable it would have been in complete darkness for those three days. And again, like this is, this is a, this is a vapor of darkness. It's a thick darkness. And Shelby, you mentioned like they, no light could be seen Mm -hmm. for those three days. So, I mean, there weren't even just think about that stars. Yeah. Just think about that. Like, how do you operate in complete and utter darkness for that long? Like, how do you, I mean, people are, they're not, not able to eat, you know, you're, and then of course there's, there's all this destruction around. And so, you know, it's not like people are just hunkered down in their homes. Uh, Their homes could have been burned or sunk or, you know, covered up by earth i mean this is just it's it really is just this uh horrific uh, image in my mind and it is it it's just a hard it's a hard chapter for me i would say that we know so looking because we know what happens. <laughs> well, sure. Like I get, like I get it. Like I know what happens, but you know, it doesn't make it easier to comprehend the the experience of these people. You know, and I'm not I'm not looking for an answer. Like that's not to then you know evoke a a reason or an answer because we know the reason we know what happens but sometimes it it can just be you can just sit with it and know that this was it's it's like alma amulet seeing those people burned you know yes we know what happens they were received into everlasting glory and peace but in the moment, as they're being burned, that doesn't that doesn't seem to matter, right? 
-hmm. it is after it happens that you can seek some some reconciliation with God through the atonement of Jesus Christ, right? So again, it's not always in the darkness that you will find the light. Sometimes you do have to get through your three days and some days or some of some of us will feel like it's longer than others. And then it's it's when we come out of it that we, you know, regroup, we move forward. So Yeah. And just looking forward to next week on chapter nine, the the heading says in the darkness, the voice of Christ proclaims the destruction of many people and cities for their wickedness. Well, it says he also proclaims his divinity, announces that the law of Moses is fulfilled and invites men to come unto him and be saved. So we do know that in this darkness, they do hear the word of the Lord and they do hear instruction, right? Mm -hmm. So there is something to be said about that. Now, at what point that happens, really don't know, but it is comforting at least to know that much that they do get to hear the Lord's not going to just leave them high and dry, right? It may be for a second, for a season, but they do hear his voice and know what they need to do to come out of that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what's most important. And knowing that Christ, for that very reason, came into the world to redeem us from the, our very fallen state where we are quite literally made from the dust right? So it's just important to remember that. And yeah, we're almost the third Nephi 11. So hopefully we'll have a guest coming on soon that I'm really excited about. And we will get to discuss a little more, maybe chapters nine and 10 in more depth and prep us for third Nephi chapter 11. Yep. Um, as always, we appreciate those who listened um, and we have been taking the time to ask those of you who do get through the whole episode to rate and review our podcast, wherever you're listening to it at, um, really just to help us, uh, reach a few more people. Uh, thanks to Shelby, who's our social media all-star. We have so many more people with eyeballs and ears on our podcast, but you know, it also helps to get it out organically. So, and if we can, we just want to thank the UT teacher who left us a review. He said, thank you for your insights you share and the testimonies of the importance and the value of the book of Mormon. And so thank you. Cause you're a new listener. You mentioned that and we appreciate you leaving us that review. Yep. Thanks so much. And we will see you next time. Bye, everyone. Bye. My dear brothers and sisters, I promise that as you prayerfully study the Book of Mormon every day, you will make better decisions every day. I promise that as you ponder what you study, the windows of heaven will open and you will receive answers to your own questions and direction for your own life.